The Soul's Conflict by Richard Sibbs Chapter 3 of Discouragements from Within But to come to some particular causes within us, there is cause oft in the body of those in whom a melancholy temper prevails. Darkness makes men fearful. Melancholy persons are in a perpetual darkness. All things seem black and dark to them. Their spirits, as it were, died black. Now to him that is in darkness, all things seem black and dark. The sweetest comforts are not lightsome enough to those that are deep in melancholy. It is without great watchfulness, Satan's bath, which he abuses as his own weapon to hurt the soul, which by reason of its sympathy with the body is subject to be misled. As we see where there is suffusion of the eye by reason of distemper of humors, or where things are presented through a glass to the eye, things seem to be of the same color. So whatsoever is presented to a melancholy person comes in a dark way to the soul. From whence it is that their fancy being corrupted, they judge amiss, even of outward things, as that they were sick of such and such a disease or subject to such and such a danger, when it is nothing so. How fit are they, then, to judge of things removed from sense, as of their spiritual estate in Christ? Causes, privations of discouragements in ourselves. Number one, to come to causes more near the soul itself, as when there is want of that which should be in it, as of knowledge in the understanding, etc. Ignorance, being darkness, is full of false fears. In the nighttime, men think every bush is a thief. Our forefathers, in time of ignorance, were frighted with everything. Therefore, it is the policy of popish tyrants, taught them from the prince of darkness, to keep the people in darkness, that so they might make them fearful, and then abuse that fearfulness to superstition, that they might better rule in their consciences for their own ends, and that so having entangled them with false fears, they might heal them again with false cures. Number two. Again, though the soul be not ignorant, yet if it be forgetful and mindless, if, as the apostle says, you have forgot the consolation that speaks unto you, Hebrews 12.5, we have no more present actual comfort than we have remembrance. Help a godly man's memory and help his comfort. Likened to charcoal, which having once been kindled, is more easy to take fire. He that has formerly known things takes ready acquaintance of them again. As old friends, things are not strange to him. Number three, and further, want of setting due price upon comforts, as the Israelites were taxed for setting nothing by the pleasant land. It is a great fault when, as they said to Job, the consolation of the Almighty seemed light and small unto us. Job 15.11, unless we have some outward comfort which we linger after. Number four, add unto this a childish kind of peevishness. When they have not what they want, like children, they throw away all, which though it be very offensive to God's spirit, yet it seizes often upon men otherwise gracious. Abraham himself, wanting children, Genesis 15, 2, undervalued all other blessings. Jonah, because he was crossed of his gourd, was weary of his life. The like may be said of Elias flying from Jezebel. This peevishness is increased by too much flattering of their grief so far as to justify it. Like Jonas, I do well to be angry even to death. Jonah chapter 4 verse 9. He would stand to it. Some with Rachel 
are so peremptory that they will not be comforted, Jeremiah 31.15, as if they were in love with their grievances. Willful men are most vexed in their crosses. It is not for those to be willful that have not a great measure of wisdom to guide their wheels. For God delights to have His will of those that are wedded to their own wills, as in Pharaoh. No men more subject to discontentments than those who would have all things after their own way. Number five. Again, one main ground is false reasoning and errors in our discourse, as that we have no grace when we feel none. Feeling is not always a fit rule to judge our states by, that God has rejected us. Because we are crossed in outward things, when is this issues from God's wisdom and love? How many imagine their failings to be fallings, and their fallings to be fallings away, infirmities to be presumptions, every sin against conscience to be the sin against the Holy Ghost, under which misapprehensions, weak and dark spirits are subject. And Satan, as a cunning rhetorician, here enlarges the fancy to apprehend things bigger than they are. Satan abuses confident spirits another contrary way, to apprehend great sins as little, and little as none. Some also think that they have no grace because they have not so much as grown Christians, whereas there are several ages in Christ. Some again are so desirous and enlarged after what they have not, that they mind not what they have. Men may be rich, though they have no millions, and be not emperors. Number six, likewise, some are much troubled because they proceed by a false method and order in judging of their estates. They begin with election, which is the highest step of the latter, whereas they should begin from a work of grace wrought within their hearts from God's calling them by His Spirit and their answer to His call, and so raise themselves upward to know their election by their answer to God's calling. Give all diligence, saith Peter to make your calling and election sure. 2 Peter 1.10 Your election by your calling. God descends down unto us from election to calling and so to sanctification. We must ascend to Him beginning where He ends. Otherwise, it is a great a folly as in removing a pile of wood to begin at the lowest first. And so, besides the needless trouble to be in danger to have the rest to fall upon our heads which besides ignorance argues pride, appearing in this, that they would bring God to their conceits and be at the end of their work before they begin. This great secret of God's eternal love to us in Christ is hidden in His breast and does not appear to us until in the use of means God by His Spirit discovers the same to us. The Spirit letteth into the soul so much life and sense of God's love in particular to us as draweth the soul to Christ, from whom it draweth so much virtue, as changeth the frame of it, and quickeneth it to duty, which duties are not grounds of our state and grace, but issues, springing from a good state before. And thus far they help us in judging of our condition, that though they be not to be rested in, yet as streams they lead us to the springhead of grace from whence they arise. And of signs, some be more apt to deceive us, as being not so certain as delight and joy in hearing the word, Matthew thirteen twenty, as appeareth in the third ground. Some are more constant and certain, as love to those that are truly good, and to all such 
and because they are such, these, as they are wrought by the Spirit, so the same Spirit giveth evidence to the soul of the truth of them, and leadeth us to faith from whence they come. And faith leads us to the discovery of God's love made known to us in hearing and opening the Word. The same Spirit opens the truth to us and our understandings to conceive of it, and our hearts to close with it by faith, not only as truth, but as a truth belonging to us. Now this faith is manifested either by itself reflecting upon itself the light of faith, discovering both itself and other things, or by the cause of it, or by the effect, or by all. Faith is oft more known to us in the fruit of it than in itself, as in plants the fruits are more apparent than the sap in the root. But the most settled knowledge is from the cause, as when I know I believe, because in hearing God's gracious promises opened and offered unto me, the Spirit of God carries my soul to cleave to them as mine own portion. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Yet the most familiar way of knowledge of our estates is from the effects, to gather the cause, the cause being oftentimes more remote and spiritual, the effects more obvious and visible. All the vigor and beauty in nature which we see comes from a secret influence, from the heavens which we see not. In a clear morning, we may see the beams of the sun shining upon the tops of the hills and the houses before we can see the sun itself. Things in the working of them do issue from the cause, by whose force they had their being. But our knowing of the things arises from the effect where the cause ends. We know God must love us before we can love Him. And yet we all first know that we love Him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. The love of God is the cause why we love our brother. And yet we know we love our brother whom we see more clearly than God whom we do not see. Verse 20. It is a spiritual peevishness that keeps men in a perplexed condition that they neglect these helps to judge of their estates by whereas God takes liberty to help us sometimes to a discovery of our estate by the effects, sometimes by the cause. And it is a sin to set light by any work of God and the comfort we might have by it. And therefore, we may well add, this is one cause of disquietness in many, that they grieve the Spirit by quarreling against themselves and the work of the Spirit in them. Number seven. Another cause of disquiet is that men by a natural kind of popery seek for their comfort too much sanctification, neglecting justification, relying too much upon their own performances. St. Paul was another mind accounting all but dung and dross compared to the righteousness of Christ. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 and Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. This is that garment wherewith, being decked, we please our husband, and wherein we get a blessing. This gives satisfaction to the conscience as satisfying God himself, being performed by God the Son, and approved therefore by God the Father. Hereupon the soul is quieted, and faith holds out this as a shield against the displeasure of God and temptations of Satan. Why did the apostles in their prefaces join grace and peace together? But that we should seek for our peace in the free grace and favor of God in Christ. No wonder why papists maintain doubting, 
who hold salvation by works. Because Satan, joining together with our consciences, will always find some flaw, even in our best performances. Hereupon, the doubting and misgiving of the soul comes to make this absurd demand as who shall ascend to heaven? Psalm 24, verse 3, which is all as one as to fetch Christ from heaven and so bring him down to suffer on the cross again. Whereas if we believe in Christ, we are as sure to come to heaven as Christ is there. Christ ascending and descending with all that he has done is ours so that neither height nor depth can separate us from God's love in Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 39. But we must remember, though the main pillar of our comfort be in the free forgiveness of our sins, yet if there be a neglect in growing in holiness, the soul will never be soundly quiet, because it will be prone to question the truth of justification. And it is as proper for sin to raise doubts and fears in the conscience as for rotten flesh and wood to breed worms. Number eight, and therefore we may well join this as a cause of disquietness, the neglect of keeping a clear conscience. Sin, like Achan or Jonah in the ship, is that which causes storms within and without. Where there is not a pure conscience, there is not a pacified conscience. And therefore, though some, thinking to save themselves, whole in justification, neglect the cleansing of their natures and ordering of their lives. Yet in time of temptation they will find it more troublesome than they think. For a conscience guilty of many neglects and allowing of itself in any sin to lay claim to God's mercy is to do as we see mountebikes sometimes do, who wound their flesh to try conclusions upon their own bodies. How sovereign the slave is, yet oftentimes they come to feel the smart of their presumption by long and desperate wounds. So God will let us see what it is to make wounds to try the preciousness of his balm. Such may go mourning to their graves, and though perhaps in much wrestling with God they may get assurance of pardon of their sins, yet their conscience will be still trembling, like as David's, though Nathan had pronounced unto him the forgiveness of his sin. Psalm 51 till God at length speaks further peace, even as the water of the sea after the storm is not presently still, but moves and trembles a good while after the storm is over. A Christian is a new creature and walks by rule, and so far as he walks according to his rule, peace is upon him. Galatians chapter 6 verse 16. Loose walkers that regard not their way must think to meet with sorrows instead of peace. Watchfulness is the preserver of peace. It is a deep spiritual judgment to find peace in an ill way. Some again reap the fruit of their ignorance of Christian liberty by unnecessary scruples and doubts. It is both unthankfulness to God and wrong to ourselves to be ignorant of the extent of Christian liberty. It makes melody to Satan to see Christians troubled with that they neither should or need. Yet, there is danger in stretching Christian liberty beyond the bounds. For a man may condemn himself in that he approves, as in not walking circumspectly in regard of circumstances, and so breed his own disquiet and give scandal to others. Sometimes also, God suffers men to be disquieted for want of employment, who, in shunning labor, procure troubles to themselves, and by not doing that which is needful, they are troubled with that which is necessary. An unemployed life is a burden to itself. 
God is a pure act, always working, always doing. And the nearer our soul comes to God, the more it is in action and the freer from disquiet. Men experimentally feel that comfort in doing that which belongs unto them, which before they longed for and went without. A heart not exercised in some honest labor works trouble out of itself. Number 11. Again, omission of duties and offices of love often trouble the peace of good people. For even in time of death, when they look for peace and desire it most, then looking back upon their former failings and seeing opportunity of doing good, wanting to their desire, the parties perhaps being deceased to whom they owed more respect, are hereupon much disquieted, and so much the more because they see now hope of the like advantages cut off. A Christian life is full of duties, and the peace of it is not maintained without much fruitfulness and looking about us. Debt is a disquieting thing to an honest mind, and duty is a debt. Hereupon the apostle lays the charge that we should owe nothing to any man but love. Romans chapter 13 verse 8. Number 12. Again, one special cause of too much disquiet is wanting a firm resolution in good things. The soul cannot but be disquieted when it knows not what to cleave unto, like a ship tossed with contrary winds. Halting is a deformed and troublesome gesture. So halting in religion is not only troublesome to others and odious, but also disquiets ourselves. If God be God, cleave to Him. 1 Kings 18.21 If the duties of religion be such as will bring peace of conscience at the length, be religious to purpose. Practice them in the particular passages of life. We should labor to have clear judgment and from thence a resolved purpose. A wavering-minded man is inconsistent in all his ways. James 1.6 God will not speak peace to a staggering spirit that has always its religion and its way to choose. Uncertain men are always unquiet, and giving too much way to passion makes men, in particular, consultations unsettled. This is the reason why, in particular cases, when the matter concerns ourselves, we cannot judge so clearly as in general truths, because Satan raises a mist between us and the matter in question. Next, positive causes may be, number one, when men lay up their comfort too much on outward things, which being subject to much inconstancy and change, breed disquiet. Vexation always follows vanity, when vanity is not apprehended to be where it is. In that measure, we are cast down in the disappointing of our hopes, as we were too much lifted up in the expectation of good from them. Whence proceed these complaints? Such a friend has failed me. I never thought to have fallen into this condition. I had settled my joy in this child, in this friend, etc. But this is to build our comfort upon things that have no firm foundation, to build castles in the air, as we used to say. Therefore, it is a good desire of the wise man, Agur, to desire God to remove from us vanity and lies. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8. That is a vain and false apprehension, pitching upon things that are vain and lying, promising that contentment to ourselves from the creature which it cannot yield. Confidence in vain things makes a vain heart, 
the heart becoming of the nature of the things it relies on. We may say of all earthly things, as the prophet speaks, Here is not our rest. Micah chapter 2 verse 10. It is no wonder, therefore, that worldly men are oft cast down and disquieted when they walk in a vain shadow. Psalm 39 verse 6. As likewise that men given much to recreations should be subject to passionate distempers, because here things fall out often other than they looked for. Recreations being a matter that are variable, which especially falls out in games of hazard, wherein they oft spare not divine providence itself, but break out into blasphemy. Likewise, men that grasp more business than they can discharge must needs bear both the blame and the grief of losing or marrying many businesses, it being almost impossible to do many things so well as to give content to conscience. Hence, it is that covetous and busy men trouble both their hearts and their houses. Though some men, from a largeness of parts and a special dexterity in affairs, may turn over much, yet the most capacious heart has its measure, and when the cup is full, a little drop may cause the rest to spill. There is a spiritual surfeit. When the soul is overcharged with business, it is fit the soul should have its meat burden and no more. Number two, as likewise, those that depend too much upon the opinions of other men. A very little matter will refresh and then again discourage a mind that rests too much upon the liking of others. Men that seek themselves too much abroad find themselves disquieted at home. Even good men, many times, are too much troubled with the unjust censures of other men, especially in the day of their trouble. It was Job's case, and it is a heavy thing to have affliction added to affliction. It was Hannah's case, who being troubled in spirit was censured by Eli for distemper in brain, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 14. But for vain men who live more to reputation than to conscience, it cannot be that they should long enjoy settled quiet because those in whose good opinion they desire to dwell are ready often to take up contrary conceits upon slender grounds. Number three, it is also a ground of overmuch trouble when we look too much and too long unto the ills in ourselves and abroad. We may fix our eyes too long even upon sin itself, considering that we not only have a remedy against the hurt by sin, but a commandment to rejoice always in the Lord. Philippians chapter four, verse four. Much more may we err in pouring too much upon our afflictions, wherein we may find always in ourselves upon search, a cause to justify God, and always something left to comfort us. Though we naturally mind more one cross than a hundred favors, dwelling overlong upon the sore. So likewise, our minds may be too much taken up in consideration of the miseries of the times at home and abroad, as if Christ did not rule in the midst of his enemies and would not help all in due time, or as if the condition of the church and the world were not for the most part in an afflicted and conflicted condition. Indeed, there is a perfect rest both for the souls and bodies of God's people, but that is not in this world, but is kept for hereafter. Here we are in a sea, where what can we look for but storms? To insist upon no more, one cause is, that we do usurp upon God and take his office upon us by troubling ourselves in forecasting the event of things, 
whereas our work is only to do our work and be quiet, as children when they please their parents take no further thought. Our trouble is the fruit of our folly in this kind. Use number one. That which we should observe from all that has been said is that we be not over hasty in censuring others when we see their spirits out of temper. For we see how many things there are that work strongly upon the weak nature of man. We may sin more by harsh censure than they by overmuch distemper. As in Job's case, it was a matter rather of just grief and pity than great wonder or heavy censure. Use number two, and for ourselves, if our state be calm for the present, yet we should labor to prepare our hearts, not only for an alteration of a state, but of spirit, unless we be marvelous careful beforehand that our spirits fall not down with our condition. And if it befalls us to find it otherwise with our souls than at other times, we should so far labor to bear it as that we do not judge in our own case alone. When we see here David thus to complain of himself, why art thou cast down, O my soul?